This is episode number 616 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Mark Hyman. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the first wealth is health. And if you are not thinking about your health, my friends, you need to start making it a priority every single day. How can I optimize my nutrition, the way I move, the way I think, the way I feel? How can we optimize this? Because an optimal health will give you an optimal life. But if your health is under attack on a consistent basis or it's struggling, it will build negative momentum over the long run and you will suffer and struggle, my friends. That's why we brought on the number one New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's the director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, chairman of the board of the Institute of Functional Medicine, and founder and director of the Ultra Wellness Center. He's an 11-time New York Times best-selling author, and his books include Eat Fat, Get Thin, The Blood Sugar Solution, and many other massive books. His newest book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat?, provides an explanation of nutritional science, the political, environmental, economic, and social issues around food. This is fascinating stuff. And then it dives deep into food as we eat it and the questions surrounding the food and provides a guide on how to make the best choice for real food in each category. And Tony Robbins said, if you're confused about what to eat, then read this book. And what we cover are some fascinating things. Number one, how what we hear on TV shows about health is actually manipulated by sponsors and a lot of time not actually true or good for you. Also, the five causes of disease and which one is the biggest that Mark talks about. Why Mark is a reliable doctor to listen to over the other nutritional experts, and I ask him that question. Also, the connection between our food and our mood and our energy, and why your genetic makeup isn't as significant as you think. This is going to be interesting. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Whether you're searching for a home to buy or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. You can favorite homes, share listings with others, and even schedule tours with a local Redfin agent, all in the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. They know how to help you win the right home at the right price. So download the Redfin app to get started today. I'm so excited about this. Again, I don't want to be confused about my nutrition, my food, and what is good to eat, what's bad, how to optimize your health and nutrition. That's why we bring on the expert, the one and only Dr. Mark Hyman. Welcome back to one of the School of Greatness podcasts. We have the legendary Dr. Mark Hyman in the house. Good to see you, sir. Thank you, Lewis. Very excited. The last time you were on was two years ago, actually. Two years ago. Talking about fat. Talking about fat, and now we're talking about food. What the heck should I eat is the new book. Make sure you guys check it out. New York Times bestseller already, crushing it and helping a lot of people. The No-Nonsense Guide to Achieving Optimal Weight and Lifelong Health. So what should I eat? You know, you were talking about this before, that every day we get multiple times to vote on what we want to put inside of our body, right? And what we should be eating. And we have control over this. Mm -hmm. Or I guess most people do, right? Most people do, not everybody on the planet, but most people do have choice about what they eat and what they put in their bodies right. and how it impacts everything that matters in the world. Mm. How does it impact everything? Well, I wrote this book because people are confused. Like, they don't know what to eat. They're hearing paleo, vegan, uh-huh. keto, low-fat, high-fat, low-carb, high-carb, raw, whatever. No sugar. No sugar. It's like, <laughs> you know, there's no soda diet that everybody believes in, but pretty much everything else, you know? Right. And so I really want to answer that question. And in answering that question, it really became clear to me that the field is so confused because there's so much money in the food system that's driving the food we eat. And the way we grow the food, and the kind of food that we produce, and the way it's marketed, the way it's distributed, and the way it's promoted, are literally driving almost everything that's wrong with our society. And people don't understand how it all connects together. For example, yes, we know that we eat bad food, we get sick and fat. But the truth is that food is the most powerful driver of chronic disease, which affects one out of two people now. Mm. And it costs 84% of our $3.2 trillion healthcare costs or for chronic disease. So that's a big deal. And that is affecting our economy, right? Because most people don't understand that Medicare and Medicaid are going to go bankrupt in 20 years because 100% of our federal revenue from taxes will be required to pay for Medicare and Medicaid for chronic disease. Today, one-third of the budgets of most states is for chronic disease through Medicaid. Mm. So that's just the health and economy. Then it goes on, the climate. I mean, food system itself is the number one cause of climate change. Food waste, we waste 40% of food. We grow food in terms of soil practices that deplete the soil. We've lost 1.1 billion acres of arable land to deserts, which then affects carbon in the environment because soil holds carbon. Healthy organic soil actually sequesters carbon that if built back up at scale could take us back to the pre-industrial era of climate change. Hmm. And on top of that, the carbon goes in the environment, goes in the oceans, and then kills the phytoplankton by acidifying the oceans. And the phytoplankton are these single-celled organisms that are essentially the bottom of the food chain in the ocean, but they produce 50% of our oxygen. So every other breath you take comes from the ocean, not the rainforest. So the way we're growing food, tilling, 
industrial agriculture, all is damaging that. Factory farmed animals is really the number one cause of climate change. Factory farm, why is that? Just because of all the pollution they put out? Yeah, because one, we use industrial agriculture practice to grow the food. So 70% of our agricultural lands are to grow food for animals for human consumption. In other words, soybeans and corn and all the feedlot cows that eat, not grass, but eat corn and soy, which they're not supposed to eat, mm-hmm. and who knows what other junk, right. plus given antibiotics and so forth. Then all the chemicals that are used in industrial agriculture, the fertilizers, the pesticides, the herbicides, all run off into the, into the waterways, then it kills the waterways, and you have dead zones the size of New Jersey in the Gulf of Mexico from our agricultural practice. And so all these things are combining to actually drive climate change. Plus one-fifth of our fossil fuel consumption is used for industrial agriculture. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge problem that most people don't realize. So our environment and our climate are being driven by the food we eat. Mm. And then of course there's the social issues. People don't understand that the quality of the food we eat, the processed food, the refined oils, the sugars, the chemicals, the additives, affect behavior. We know, for example, Lewis, that in prisons, if you give people a healthy diet in prisons, they will reduce violent crime in the prison by 56%. If you add a vitamin supplement, it goes down by 80% because they're all nutritionally depleted. I mean, I had a patient, not a patient, he was a, I don't know, he was a, a guy who was in jail, he was a murderer. He wrote me a handwritten letter years ago. He said, I followed your program in jail. I realized I was a murderer. My behavior was so violent my whole life. And when I changed my diet, I became a completely different person. I realized it was what I was eating. And now I, I'm so thankful for having my life back. So you think our diet also determines our behavior? Absolutely, there's clear evidence about that. I was just reading a study the other day that showed that people eat a lot of carbohydrates and sugars and starches have much more violent behavior. Mm. We know that people eat refined oils, which we now have 10% of these as our calories from soybean oil, it's in everything. It's not necessarily put it in our food, it's in every packaged processed food. That has led to increase in homicides and violence and suicides around the world. And we've gotten higher on these refined omega-6s and low on omega-3s. So the evidence of how it affects behavior, mood, poverty, it keeps poor communities down. And then the food industry targets these communities disproportionately. So you have all these things happening at the same time. And then kids, kids can't learn in school because Mm -hmm. they're eating Doritos and Coke and they can't actually focus and learn and their behavior is all erratic and they're on these chemicals which alter their behavior. That's why you know one out of six kids has some neurodevelopmental problem which is enormous, right? ADD now affects, you know, one out of 10 kids. I think 14% of kids have ADD and about one in 10 kids are on medication. You think ADD can be uh, removed if we have a better diet? Or is that something- Absolutely. Is that something with the brain or- No, absolutely. No, it's not a brain problem. It's a body problem. And the body problem is caused by our diet and by environmental toxins. And I've had hundreds of ADD patients who've transformed their lives. I mean, I, I just, uh, we were talking about the Broken Brain documentary series I did. I had a guy, I was in a New York uh, Russian bathhouse the other day, and so I come in, I saw your series, I've been on ADD medication my whole life, and it helped me get off my medication. We see this. So you've got health, you've got the economy, you've got social justice and poverty issues, you've got climate, you've got environment, you've got education. It's all connected. and the, Issue is that most people don't connect the dots, number one, and most people don't realize that we're in this situation because of money in the food system that's driving our policies. You were mentioning how there's some press hits that you do, I won't mention who, but that would say you can't talk about certain things because of a sponsor that's funding oh, the yeah. program. Oh, right? yeah. So you can't talk negative about one brand or one no. product or no. because of that, yeah. That's right, I was told, well, you can't cover this subject because we get our funding from this sponsor 
I can tell you a story from the past because the show's not on the air anymore. Sure. Uh, it was the Martha Stewart show. And I was on the show and we were working with a producer and we were talking about getting healthy and working out and detoxing and Martha had her trainer there. And the producer says, well, we're gonna have to do a bit as part of the segment on dairy and how dairy is such a great sports recovery drink. No way. Yes. And so I was like, you know, I'm just sorry to tell you, but there's all this evidence that that's not true. So I downloaded all the scientific papers documenting the science behind the fact that dairy isn't a sports drink. And he's like, mm, I know, but we kind of have to because this spot is sponsored by the Dairy Council. Oh my gosh. If you're ever on television, you know that the experts don't get notes. They don't get cue cards. They don't get teleprompters. They have to know their stuff. Well, this woman who was the trainer had all these cue cards that was being held up about dairy with all the bullet points of why dairy is such a great food and sports drink. It's insidious. So we think we're getting news. We're thinking getting off from experts too. From Mitchell, doctors yeah. or specialists or experts, and, and we are influenced by these experts. Huge. I mean, it, the evidence is so clear that industry is heavily funding science, and they're funding corrupt science. So if you look at the data, for example, artificial sweeteners, 99% of the studies done by the food industry show that they are safe. 99% of the studies on artificial sweeteners done by independent scientists find that they're not safe. Mm. You know, if your uh, industry funds a study, they're eight to 50 times more likely to find a positive benefit for their right. product. Right, of course. Right? And then you look at the, the American Heart Association, the American Diabetic Association, the American Nutrition, I mean, the American uh, Nutrition Dietetic Association. These are all funded by the food industry. I mean, if you look, it's Coca-Cola, it's Pepsi, it's Cargill, it's, it's frightening to see how much money is. You have tricks cereal for kids as a heart-healthy cereal. Cocoa Puffs, mm. Lucky Charms. I mean, Trix has seven teaspoons of sugar, red dye, blue dye, yellow dye, you dye, you know? Yeah, right. Like it's all in there and it's a heart healthy food. Why? Because they get $300,000 for every time they put that check on a box. No way. Yes, way. And this is happening globally, <clears throat> globally. I mean, there's a huge battle going on in Malaysia now because Nestle has promoted this drink called Milo, which I never heard about, but it's a big drink in the developing world and in Asia and South America. And it's basically like Ovaltine. It's basically a malted oh beverage with sugar that has the same glycemic index as Coca-Cola. And they have athletes on there and sports characters and how it's a great drink for health. And they have this commercial, which I saw, which was a Filipino rock star singing this great rap song about how everybody who's a kid has an energy gap. Four out of five kids have this thing called an energy gap. I was in a medical conference. What's an energy gap mean? I was at a medical conference of 1,500 doctors. I said, has anybody here heard of an energy gap that four out of five kids have? No, they completely made this up. And they say these kids need Milo for the energy gap. No way. Yeah, and they, this guy who lives over in Malaysia called them out on this, and they came out with this huge propaganda campaign against him to discredit him and manipulating the facts and you know, lying. And I was, I was just watching this whole thing. It's unbelievable. So it's, it's not an accident that we're in this situation. Wow, the manipulation, yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you think that all inflammation, chronic pain and disease can be eliminated from the foods we eat or is caused by foods? I think- Besides I think, having like a car accident or something? Yeah, I'm a functional medicine doctor, you know, run the Center for Functional Medicine at Cleveland Clinic. And so we look at the root causes of disease and there are many, right? There's environment, there's lifestyle, there's genetics, all affect these Stress, systems yeah. in your body, right? So we always say there's five causes of all disease based on how they influence your genetics and combine with your lifestyle. Toxins, so environmental toxins, that's not your fault. That's just 
the fact that we put 80,000 chemicals in the environment without testing them. We have 3,000 food additives we eat every year. As Americans, about three to five pounds of it, which is frightening. And you know there are heavy metals and pesticides everywhere. So it, we're exposed to a lot of toxins, and they make people sick. Infections, which we can get, whether it's viral infections and bacterial infections, Lyme disease, tick infections, allergens, which are increasingly common, and, or food sensitivities, things where your body's creating an immune response, whether it's gluten or dairy, those are big. And then poor diet and stress. All of those are contributing to disease. But by far, the biggest cause is food, really? by far. What's amazing is it's not like a little bit. It's like people say, oh, my migraines or my arthritis or my irritable bowel. People don't connect the dots between how they feel and the food they're eating. And then when you switch, people have transformations very quickly. Yeah. You know? They notice it quickly. Quickly, yeah. yeah. I mean, in pain goes away, the weight goes off, all these things. Yeah, I mean, I always say food is medicine. It's not just like a medicine. It works faster, better, and cheaper than almost any drug. I mean, we have people who are off insulin, who are type 2 diabetics, within a week. Wow. You know, and, and get off all their medications. I mean, there was a huge study just published on a ketogenic diet intervention for type 2 diabetics. And I don't think ketogenic diets are right for everybody, but an extreme situation where your metabolism is so broken, it can help reset things. Basically, reducing carbs to 30 grams a day, 70% fat, and help in the context of a healthy, plant-rich diet. And they were able to get 100% of the people in a year over diabetics off of the main diabetes medication and 94% off insulin or dramatically lower with an average weight loss of 30 pounds, about 12% of body weight. And this is unprecedented in the research because food, is, if you know how to apply it in the right way at the right dose for the right person, it's the most powerful drug. Mm, yeah. Now, here's the thing. You talked about in the book that you've been studying food for 35 years. 40 now. I can't, I, 40 years. <laughs> I was like, oh, I did the math. I was 2018, I was started in 1978 in college, and I'm like that old. <laughs> Here's the thing, you've got 11 New York Times best-selling books. You've probably done how many books total? 14. 14 books, 11 New York Times, including this one, Food, what, what the Heck Should I Eat? And for 40 years, you've been studying food, and you say even the experts are confused by the science. They are, they are. So how come... You're, how come I figured how come it out? you know all the answers? <laughs> I don't think after about, forty years. Yeah, I don't think I know all the answers, but I don't have a bone to pick. Yeah, yeah. In other words, I haven't spent my life dedicated to the low-fat diet. I haven't been dedicated my life to Paleo veganism. Or... I mean, I I'm looking at like what works. And the other thing I know is that I'm not an academic. Well, I do research, but that's not how I started. I'm a practicing doctor. So what's happened over the years is the latest thing comes in. I try it, see what happens, see what happens to the patient. So seeing tens of thousands of patients doing thousands and thousands of lab tests over the years, seeing what happens when people change their diet and how their biology responds, that's the best laboratory you'll ever right, see. Right. And I even, I even noticed on myself, I was a vegetarian for 10 years, and I see pictures of myself when I was 28, and I am so scrawny, even though I ate really healthy, I ran five miles a day, I did yoga all the time, and I look at myself now doing far less exercise, and I'm far more muscular and have more muscle mass than I did when I was 28, because I learned how to change my diet. And we know that that the right kind of high high fat diet and 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 adequate protein actually increases muscle mass. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally just got off the phone with a friend who says, you know, I went on a vegan diet and three days into it, like I can't lift anymore. <laughs> yeah. But then you see some like you know athletes that are mm -hmm. all vegan who have, like, gain muscle mass and gain That's strength, true. and you're like, well, what is? The Maybe they're taking steroids. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so you think living a vegetarian or vegan? fully vegan or vegetarian lifestyle, that it's hard to gain muscle mass? I think it's hard, it's hard. It's not impossible. 
I mean, if you really work at it and really work out, and there are great vegan athletes out there, but there's never been a historically voluntary vegan society ever. And when you look at when the look blue zones or... No, the they were vegan? never exclusively vegan. Really? Right? They always had some animal food. Got right? it. No, and Fish or something. Yeah. Or and, you know, as, as hunter-gatherers, we eat 800 species of plants. So we had a very plant-rich diet. Mm. But we also included wild animals when we could catch them. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's part of our evolutionary history, and our bodies are well adapted. And the protein in vegetables is different. So, for example, there's something called leucine, which is an amino acid that is the rate-limiting amino acid for muscle synthesis. In other words, in order to build muscle, you need this amino acid. And it's very low in plant proteins, very high in animal proteins. Right. So why not just live a plant-based diet and then have the supplements? You could. The, uh... You could. And I, you know, I have patients who are vegans, monks. I mean, I'm not going to force oh. people not to eat it, but it's much harder to do and you have to know what you're doing. And I see people over time, initially, when they switch from a processed American diet to a whole foods vegan diet, they are going to get so much better. Of right? course, yeah. But the real issue is compared to what? Right. Right? And they've looked at over time, these big studies, looking at animal and plant proteins and stuff over time, looking at what people do. And well, there was a vegan vegetarian omnivore study, which was 245,000 people. It was an observational study, but they didn't find any difference in outcomes. Mm. Another study, 42-country study, looking at food pattern consumption over long periods of time, showed Actually, the people who had animal fat and protein did far better than people who focused on cereal grains in their diet. Less heart disease. Another study, the Pure Study, just came out recently, 135,000 people. It was uh, five continents, I think 18 countries, 10 years. And there was actually an improvement when people had more saturated fat and more good fats and less cereal grains and more animal protein. More animal protein or more, more yeah, animal protein? Yeah. yeah, it was not a risk factor. Right. Now, these are difficult studies to interpret sometimes because they're, uh, they're observational, but you look at interventional studies where you intervene by giving people high-fat protein diets with lots of plant foods. People do better metabolically. So Really? Yeah, and it's, it's very hard to eat a low-glycemic diet if you're a vegan. You can, but it's very hard. I have a friend who's a keto vegan, and she's a type 1 diabetic, and she's rocking it. But you have to know what you're doing. <laughs> and you're so disciplined. Yeah, it's yeah, super disciplined, super smart about it. That's challenging. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, and the data on meat, honestly, which I go into the book in great detail, yeah. is confusing for people because there's this. So it all depends on the factors of the meat. Yeah. Where I mean, you get it, the environment it's in, how exactly. it's fed, how it's raised, exactly. the stress of it. Right. Exactly. How it's so, processed, everything, right? Totally. Right. So I, people go, well, we shouldn't be eating meat because it's better for the animals, better for the environment. Right, right. Yes, we should not be eating factory farm meat. This is really bad. It's bad for the animals, it's bad for the planet, it's bad for us because the quality of the meat is very poor. But let's say a wild elk or a grass-finished bison or even cow, very different. And it turns out that these animals actually have higher levels of omega-3 fats and higher levels of antioxidants and minerals and nutrients and beneficial fats and actually are great source of protein and don't have the harm that we think they do. When you look yeah. at the studies that showed there was harm, the reason they show that is because when you do a study, observational study, you give people a questionnaire every year. So you take 10,000 people, 100,000 people, and every year you give them a questionnaire, what'd you eat? What'd you eat last week? What'd you, you know, if you can remember. And people answer according to what they think they should answer a lot of times, right? So if meat is bad, they're gonna underestimate the amount of meat they're eating. Mm -hmm. So during the time of these studies, meat was considered bad. So people who ate meat didn't really care about their health. So they smoke, and the data show it. When you look at the factors of these people, their characteristics, which you can read in the studies, which I read, they were overweight, they smoked, they drank, they didn't eat fruits and vegetables, they didn't exercise, they didn't take vitamins, they ate more processed food, more sugar. Of course they were sicker. Wow. Yeah. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really wanna say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now, what are the three basic food rules that you live by? Me? Yeah. Well, I was joking because I, I used to teach a lot of churches and I go, if ask yourself one question when you're shopping. Did God make this or did man make this, right? Did God make a... Twinkie? No. <laughs> Did God make an avocado? Yeah. Pretty simple rule. Yeah. And you can even take that to its logical extreme. Did God make a feedlot cow? No. Did God make a grass-fed cow? Yes. Right? Sure. So you can kind of go down the line on all that. That's the first principle. The second principle is we should be eating mostly plant-based diet. Yeah. We call it plant-rich. I call it plant-rich. About 80-20, right? Yeah. 80%, 70% of your foods on your plate should be lots of vegetables, nuts and seeds, fruit, whole foods. And the third principle is we need a lot of good fats. Avocados, olive oil. I think there's controversies about certain things. Nuts and seeds are good, but then there's the whole saturated fat debate, which we can get into where refined oils. But essentially, we need a lot of good fats, low starch and sugar, plant-rich diet, and stay away from processed food. Yeah. Now, should that be true for everyone, or does it depend on your body type, your blood yeah. type, your genetics? I jokingly call this the vegan diet, right? Because I was sitting on a panel with friends of mine. One was paleo, one was vegan. They were fighting, and I'm like, listen, guys, you're paleo, you're vegan. I must be a vegan. And I was joking. And then it occurred to me that, you know, there was more in common than there was different. Yeah. And we could come up with these general nutritional principles that nobody's going to disagree with, right? Nobody thinks we should be eating a lot of starch and sugar. Everybody thinks we should be eating more plants. Everybody thinks if we eat animal protein that we should eat only sustainably raised or harvested 
or grass-finished protein. That we should eat fish, but it should only be fish that's low in mercury and toxins, that doesn't overfish the oceans. If it's farm-raised, it should be sustainable. We should eat lots of good fats. I mean, there are a few outliers who still are holding on to low-fat dogma, but the train has left the station on that one. Yeah, yeah. And so there's these simple, that nobody thinks we should be consuming pesticides and herbicides and GMO, that we should be having three pounds of food additives per person every year. I mean, nobody thinks we should be eating those things. Like nobody's gonna say, okay, I think you should have more butylated hydroxytoluene with your salad, right? right? <laughs> or red dye number 40, right? right? These are things that are sort of inserted into our diet. So those are principles that I've sort of outlined and it's adaptable. What about grains and beans? Well, some people do well on them, some people don't, and it really is individual. But I talk about if you are going to, here's the things to know about, here's the grains to eat, here's what you should or shouldn't do. Gluten, why is it a problem? Who is it a problem for? Is our current wheat the wheat we used to eat? Right, no, it's, not, it's yeah. not. So that has an impact. What should we focus on? Could you have rye, which is a, you know has gluten in it, but it's probably, if you're not gluten sensitive, a much better food. So right. it goes through every single chapter. I go through meat, poultry, fish, eggs, Vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds, beans, grains. And I talk about the controversies. What are the people fighting about? What does the science say? What do we know? What do we not know? There's still stuff we are learning, right? We're still discovering every day. So it's really kind of a foundational principle book. It's not extreme. It's sort of the middle of the road. This is kind of the Bible for you then. Kind of. You know, all the things you've learned. Pretty much. 40 plus years now. 14 books. Yes. It's actually different than other books I've written because the other books are more topic uh, specific. Yeah, yeah. They're on the brain or they're on metabolism sure. or diabetes or yeah. sugar. This is really, if you're an eater, and there's about 9 billion of us, it's probably something that'll help. And I also talk about how do you eat, not just for your own health, right? But what is the overall footprint of the food you eat? What's the health footprint, the economic footprint, the carbon footprint, the environmental footprint, the educational footprint, the national security footprint, and even poverty and social justice footprint of what you eat? Because there are things we can't change as individuals. We can't end nuclear war. We can't single-handedly in climate change. But we can change what we eat because we do it all the time. Yeah. And the choice we make matter. I mean, I was just with the vice chairman of Pepsi, who's my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine. We had a great time together. And you know, we don't agree on a lot of things. Right. But it was fascinating listening to him talk about what's happening in the company as they're trying to shift to meet the consumer demand. Really? So they're like, how do we create special, and he introduced me to this engineer who was working for him, how do we create special types of packaging that's compostable, but that keeps the food fresh, we don't need to use preservatives or artificial ingredients, and we can have whole foods that we distribute globally? I'm like, wow, that's a great thing to be looking at, right? Right. So they're thinking, and he said, I was also asked to talk to the USDA annual meeting, the agriculture department. And I'm like, yes, Pepsi. <laughs> but he's talking about regenerative agriculture. He's talking about how we're losing water by our farming practices. We're losing soil. We need to change that. And they have enormous power because they're, count their bottling facilities. Yeah. They're probably the number one food company in the world up there with Nestle. Right, right. And they are interested in doing this. And I'm like thinking, wow, here's the vice chairman of Pepsi talking about regenerative agriculture. I'm like, holy cow. You know, That's pretty cool. Yeah, they want to make an impact. Yeah, they can have an impact, but it's they're responding to the demands of the culture. They're responding to people who are voting with their forks. So right. it's a hopeful message. You not only get to change yourself, but you get to impact everything. I mean, imagine if everybody in the world for one day had an eat-in where they only ate real fresh whole food and they didn't shop or buy anything in a package that's processed in any way and didn't go to any fast food restaurants and just ate at home and cooked yeah, a meal game together. Game changer. Totally, just for one day. Imagine if we did that for a week or a month. The whole system would change. Wow. Yeah. 
Now, as a functional medicine doctor, I believe that you have, you're more of like a therapist for a lot of people too. They come to you with all their challenges. They feel pain in one thing, but there's something else that's affecting them, right? Yeah. What do you think is the main thing that they're feeding themselves, maybe that's not food, Yeah. that affects them on the pain or their body or... Yeah, I think people are feeding their feelings a lot of time. I mean, it's a, you know, food has such an effect on mood. It's so connected to how we think and feel. And so when we're feeling sad or depressed, we can stimulate our biology through food, whether it's caffeine or alcohol or sugar or other chemicals in food that actually stimulate our brain to sort of feel better for a minute, right? And so we do that and we're human and we don't understand the difference and we don't know what's going on. We don't see we're in this vicious cycle. And it's tough and people have hard lives and hard situations, but I believe in the power of community. I believe in the power of each other to help support the change. It's gotta happen that way and that's what we do. We work with communities, we work in churches, we help people become empowered in schools to actually start to do this together and it's Mm -hmm. so much more fun. It holds people accountable, it inspires people to change and it works. And if we look at behavior change, which is the biggest thing we're talking about here, the hardest thing to do is on your own. So I always say friend power is far, more powerful than willpower. Mm. It's way easier to stay consistent with something with someone else supporting you, an accountability partner, a coach, whatever it may be, yeah. than trying to do it on your own. Absolutely. It's almost impossible to do it right. on your own. Right, and that's why people listen to your podcast and seek right. out these things because they're looking for some connection to something that they can hold on to that inspires them, that yeah. uplifts them, that gives them an idea of how, how they can be better. What's the biggest challenge you face in your life right now that you could improve on or get better at? Health-wise? Anything. You know, you're this... This top expert, super credible doctor, the Cleveland Clinic. Seems like you got it all figured out, but what's the thing, either personal or fitness or I mean, emotional or yeah, I mean, I th- that you can improve on? Well, I'm, I recently got married and I have the most amazing wife and I'm just growing and growing and learning. And how do I be like the best version of myself? How do I be fully expressed and honest and in integrity and like value what's actually happening? And I think that's like my most important work. A lot of my career, I just focus on my work, work, work. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, this, this something else here going on. Right. So what's the biggest challenge you face with this um, new chapter? I think my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I'm giving, I'm giving her for our anniversary present a box, which is a little like sealed box that I'm going to put my phone in when we're together. For what, an hour? No, for a weekend. Wow. Or longer. Okay. And I'm going to tell my assistant if she needs anything to call her phone. <laughs> if it's an emergency. Phone, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I, it's, a, it's a symbolic, but it's yeah. like sort of invasive. And I'm like, you know, nothing is that important that should interfere with our human connections. Right, right. There's one other thing, though, I'm working on. It's, it's struggling. It's, it's a struggle for me because I feel like I've been lucky enough to see the emerging patterns that are changing in medicine and how we've come to think about disease quite differently based on the science called functional medicine. But it's taking a long time to get it up to running and scale. And that's, that's a challenge to figure out how to do that well. And the second thing is the food system. Because I feel like if we can all get how powerful we are as individuals, as communities, when we band together to do something around the food system, it's bigger than anything we could ever do. Because, you know, for example, civil rights, that affects one group of people. Women's rights, a large group of people. Gay rights, a large group of people, but small. Food affects everybody. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand how our food system is keeping them down and is limiting our ability to thrive and succeed as individuals or as a society. That's my real, I think, my 
next phase of my work is figuring out how do we empower people around the food system to understand yeah. these connections, to understand how to become empowered, how to activate movements and communities to sort of change the way we do things and just to then inspire policy change because all has to come to that. Right now our food policies, I mean just the farm bill alone, which is every 10 years it's about a trillion dollar bill. There's 600 lobbyists that spend half a billion dollars funding and lobbying congressmen on this wow. farm bill. Wow. And, and you know, I remember when I went to Washington during the Obamacare era and I was advocating for funding for lifestyle interventions so we could incentivize doctors to do the right thing, not just do medicine or surgery. Right. And everybody was like, this is the greatest idea, greatest idea. And they would say, what lobby group are you from? Like, who are you from? I'm like, nobody. I, it's just, I'm here for the patients and the science. Like, I'm lobbying for the science. And it was, it was flabbergasted. All these uh, staffers and the congressmen, the senators we met with, they were like, they didn't understand it because they don't experience individuals advocating and not as part of some big massive lobby. Right, group. right, right. That's interesting. I'm curious now, when did you become a, a doctor? When did you? When did I go to medical school? 40 years ago when you I graduated medical school 31 years ago. 41 years ago. 31 years ago. I graduated gotcha. medical school, yeah. Graduate, but you got into it 40 years ago. Yeah, well I got into okay. nutrition when I went to college. Gotcha, okay, so 31 years you've been is it called licensed doctor or what do you call certified yeah, doctor? Yeah, I'm I'm I got my MD degree 1987. Okay, uh, 31 years ago. I'm curious, what were the beliefs that you had going in 31 years ago that was industry standard? That was like, yeah. this is the belief of medicine or food or yeah. the body that you believed in yeah. so wholeheartedly, but now you've realized 31 years later is completely false. Well, actually, I have ODD. You know what that is? What's that? I'm odd. <laughs> yes. And I was weird from the beginning. So I was a vegetarian in college. I was a yoga teacher before I was a doctor. Oh. I studied systems thinking in college. I studied alternative systems of healing and medicine from around the world. My thinking was already there. And I was studying herbal medicine. I was going to yeah. go to China. I spoke Chinese. So I was going to go to China and study Chinese medicine, but I didn't oh. want to grow up in a communist dictatorship. So I basically... Said, oh, I'll try medical school and see if I like it. And I was fascinated with the body. And I really never went away from it, although I did really take it all in. I, I had to suspend all my criticism, disbelief, and just learn it as a system. Mm -hmm. Then I could unpack it. And so then I began to sort of unpack it and discovered functional medicine early on. And since then, I've just been focused yeah. on that as the new model for thinking about the body as a whole dynamic system. Was there any belief that you had after you learned everything from medical school where you realized you believed in something that became debunked over the last 31 yeah, years? Yeah, I mean, I, I really believed that there were these diseases uh, that we label and name and that they were real things. Just like, you know, when you get a TB bacteria, that's a real thing that you get tuberculosis when you have T TB bacteria exposure. But chronic disease isn't like that. So we've created these categories of disease like dementia or diabetes or cancer or rheumatoid arthritis or irritable bowel or whatever it is. And we group people according to symptoms, not according to causes. You know, I was just with Thomas Insel, who was the former head of the National Institutes of Mental Health. And I'd asked him before, I said, what do you think of the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic category for psychiatric illness? He says, I think it has 100% accuracy meaning it groups people according to depression or anxiety, it's very good, but has 0% validity. Mm. Meaning it's not valid because it doesn't describe 
the why, only the what. And that was a big aha for me to understand that all these diseases I learned about in medical school as these finite things, they weren't something you get. You don't get heart disease. You don't get diabetes. You don't get dementia. You can get a cold, <laughs> but you don't get these things. Right. And it's a very different way of thinking about disease. It's mm. a systems problem. It's how the body is out of balance. It's a way of working with the body that looks at the body as a whole right. dynamic interacting ecosystem that you can change by taking out the bad stuff and putting in the good stuff. But that was a belief you had early on through medical school because yeah. that's what was taught, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, is there anything now that you believe in that you think will eventually be debunked in 30 years or 10 years or five years that you're like, this is the truth, this is the facts, but who knows, maybe there's not enough research or science or proof in that and in 30 years. I think it's gonna turn out that our genes aren't as important as we think. Because <laughs> that's where a lot of this stuff is coming mm-hmm. from. The genes, mm-hmm. all about your genes. Oh, fast. We are in the father, genomic your era. Grandfather, right. yeah. In the omics era, and genomics, and proteomics, and metabolomics, and all this stuff. In terms yeah. of genes aren't important in terms of disease, or in terms yeah. of like? I think that for not the diseases that we're seeing. So yes, if you have Huntington's chorea, or you have Down syndrome, or you have you know some horrible inherited genetic condition that's a dominant disease, which is we call autosomal dominance, a type of genetic single gene mutation that's kind of fixed. Although you can modify how those people do. I'm talking about the rest of the chronic disease we have. And I think it turns out, looking at the research, that your zip code turns out to be more important as a determinant of your health than your genetic code. Hmm. That your friends and your social network is a bigger determinant of your health than your family. So we know from Christakis' work at Harvard, looking at obesity, that people who are uh, obese, they're more likely to be obese if they have obese friends than if they have obese parents, mm. right? Or siblings, because it's our social connections that drive our behavior. If you're eating fries and soda and burgers and watching TV all day and all your friends are doing that, you're more likely to be overweight. If you're going to yoga and drinking green juices, you're gonna probably be healthier with, yeah. if all your friends are doing that, right? So right. if your friends are modeling healthy behaviors, and we live in a totally peer, socially driven world, I mean, look what happened with the Me Too environment. All of a sudden, it was okay to say the truth. And then you had like millions of women speaking up because it was okay, it was socially acceptable. The peer group said, yes, that's how powerful. And I think, I'm hoping for that kind of change around food. Right, so you think genetics don't play as much of a role as we know? I think we're gonna gonna be disappointed by the Human Genome Project. It's already failed to give us a lot of what we hoped it, it it would give us. Really? Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. I mean, there's something called the exposome which is how our genes are exposed to different factors, right? So we call the exposome what you eat, what you think, what you feel, your stress level, exercise, sleep, environmental toxins, your microbiome, all that is the the world you're exposed to. It's what your genes are being washed over with every day. Turns out 90% of chronic disease is determined by the exposome, not the genome. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff, which which is very empowering, because you think, oh, it's my genes, my dad had Alzheimer's, my, uh-huh. my dad had heart disease, my dad had diabetes, my mom was this. You're like, okay, what can I do? But the truth is it's a very empowering message because people can change. They can change your gene expression. You can't change your genes, but you can change which ones are turned on or off and That's how they work. Now, did you believe at one point that the genes did play a big role? Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. All of us did. Yeah, powerful, I love it. Couple questions left. Make sure you guys get the book though before we finish up. Food, what the heck should I eat? 
The No-Nonsense Guide to Achieving Optimal Weight and Lifelong Health. Make sure you guys pick it up. New York Times bestseller. It's crushing already. This is called The Three Truths. I don't know if I asked you this last time. You might have. Maybe, but we'll, we'll do it again and see what comes up. So imagine your final day. You live till you're 300 years old because you're the fountain of youth right now. Almost 60, right? Almost 60. 58? Is that yeah, sad? Yeah, almost 60. I'll be Great. 60 next year. Yeah, you look like you're 25 and in the book. I love it. Uh, 60 next show. year? Yeah. Wow. Well, 2019, I'll be 60. I hope I look like you when I'm 60. <laughs> But you're going to live for as long as you want and imagine it's your final day and you choose the day, you've done everything you want to do, you've done it all and you say, you know what, it's time for me. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You go on your terms. Yeah. You've written 75 New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> God forbid. You know, every topic you can imagine, there's a book out there that you've come out with. You've done everything you want to do, but for whatever reason, you have to take it all with you. Mm. So no one has access to any of it. You've got to take it all with you. Mm. It goes with you in the grave, but you get a piece of paper and a pen to, to share your final three truths with mm. the world, your final lessons and truths, and that's what would stay behind, but everything else you take with you, so they don't have access to anything else. But these three truths that you would write down, what would you say are yours? I would say the first thing is don't take yourself seriously. Show up with love in every interaction and everything you do, and have fun. It's a powerful. I like it. <laughs> It should be the book. Yeah, there's no more books. That's it. I want to acknowledge you for constantly showing up for, you know, four decades of the work you've been doing to help humanity live a better life. And I just acknowledge you for constantly showing up with love, with humility, with fun and passion. You make it easier for us to understand the complicated and scary things because this stuff is really scary for a lot of people mm -hmm. to understand What's happening to me? Why am I feeling this way? Why do I have this pain? Am yeah. I going to die? Is this? And so to have someone of your level of credibility and authority who's doing the work, researching the science, and mm. giving us simple ways to make better decisions, mm -hmm. it's a powerful thing. So I acknowledge you for that. Um, Thanks, Lewis. Of course. Means a lot. Of course. Now, where can we follow you the most online well, and the book? You can look at the book. Lots of great free information at foodthebook.com, or you can check me out at drhyman.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm everywhere. <laughs> at Dr. Hyman everywhere, pretty much? Uh, it's Mark Hyman MD on Instagram and Twitter. on Twitter, and it's uh, Dr. Mark Hyman and Facebook, Facebook, and it's not hard to find. All over the place. Awesome. Is there anywhere you hang out personally the most that you like to check in on on social media? I don't really like it that much. I think it's distracting. <laughs> it is distracting. <laughs> I like Facebook because I keep in touch with my friends. Okay. And like I, can, I like to see what they're doing and my son and Got it. what he made last night for dinner. And, you you know, cool. So. Awesome. Make sure you guys get the book. Awesome book. Awesome man. And the final question is, what is your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is showing up, being present, and love with everything you do. Dr. Mark Hyman. Thanks, sir. Thanks. Appreciate it. And there you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review over on iTunes and share this with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 616. The full video interview, the resources, the notes, the book that you can get of Mark Hyman is back at that link as well, lewishouse.com slash 616. Make sure to check it all out and tag Dr. Mark Hyman over on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all the places. And, and let me know what you thought of this one as well over on Instagram. I hope you guys enjoyed this one again. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the first wealth is health. 
I love you. Take care of your health. It's the most important thing. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium bang and a Lufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range in a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S.